so much gone on in this meeting this morning. God doesn't really need me, but I'm here. And I want to <coughs> turn to the Word of God, <coughs> first of all, as we, we read the Scriptures, <coughs> because I'm, I've been really exercised. I've tried to get away from this, the, the, the main part of this message, but God kept bringing me back to it. So I'm just going to read from Exodus chapter 40, going to read from verse 26. He put the gold altar in the tabernacle of meeting in front of the veil, and he burned sweet incense on it, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He hung up the screen at the door of the tabernacle, and he put the altar of burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting, and offered upon it the burnt offering and the grain offering as the Lord had commanded Moses. He set the lava between the tabernacle of meeting and the altar and put water there for washing. And Moses, Aaron and his sons would wash their hands and their feet with water from it. Whenever they went into the tabernacle of meeting and when they came near the altar, they washed as the Lord had commanded Moses. And he raised up the court all around the tabernacle and the altar and hung up the screen of the court of gate, court gate. So Moses finished the work. Then the glory of the Lord covered the tabernacle of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle and Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would go forward, go onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not journey till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day, and fire was over it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. And it's a passage of scripture that, that I just love and means so much to me. Because I, I believe that what we've got here is the end of it. It's the crowning glory of Exodus. We read in Exodus all the journeyings, all the problems, all the difficulties. But we come to the end of it all. And the word of God says, so Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered and the glory came. Hallelujah, friends. What a wonderful verse it is. The cloud covered the tabernacle and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And this is something that I've been exercised on for, for, for many months now. Yeah, for years. Is the glory of the Lord. We can come to the churches and the chapels. We can come to our meeting rooms. We can go away and we can say it's been great, we've had a good meeting, but has the presence of Lord been experienced? Have we experienced something of the glory of God in the midst of us? Because this is the acid test. This is the thing that really matters. Friends, I believe that we need today more than ever before a manifestation of God's presence, his power and his glory. See, the church, it can grow on systems, 
It can grow on ideas, it can grow on schemes, it can grow on, on plots, it can grow on all sorts of things. But it'll just be organisational. We'll have a good time at the end of it. But where is God in it all? Real growth and real power comes through his presence. Revival, it's his presence. Many years ago, I had a man define revival and I've never forgotten it. Must be going back to the 1960s. And he said, when revival comes, everywhere there's a sense of the presence of God. That's revival, friends. That's the acid test. Is God in it? How did he get to this point? How did these people come to this point where they could say that the glory was there that covered the, the, the temple? They'd sought and they'd obeyed. <clears throat> if we go in the, in the scriptures there, in that verse, back into the scriptures, it says time and time again that they acted under orders. He set the lava between the tabernacle as the Lord had commanded Moses. Moses acted under orders, friends, not under ideas. God moved when Moses came to the end. <clears throat> so often as Christians, we, we strive for position, we try, strive, strive for success, for popularity, for authorities, all kinds of things. When we come to the end of ourselves, that's when God moves. I couldn't preach without mentioning Wesley. But Wesley, both the Wesley brothers <clears throat> went to America. They were going to save America. And they came back broken men. Because neither of them were well saved. Their hearts were right. But they went there, but without that touch of God. <clears throat> Idy Baker strove for years on the mission field. She gave up. She came back broken. God touched her. And her life was changed. <clears throat> it was the touch of God. Our salvation was wrought through Jesus. If you go back to Calvary, it says, when he had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Jesus had come to the end of himself. Jesus had come to that place where his father wanted him to be and he could say it's finished it was finished but it became the start friends when we come to the end of ourselves that's when God moves in striving church many of them today striving many of them stopped striving 
Give it to God. Thanks, brother. <clears throat> Hudson Taylor once said, you know, that God's work, that he was that great missionary man, God's work done in God's way never lacks God's provision. And this is our God. He's able to meet our every need. He's to make, able to meet us right at the very point where we are today. We might be feeling down. We might be feeling cast down. We might feel, be feeling broken. But God can meet us there. And God is ready. Matthew 16. What did he say to Peter? You are Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Because it's his church, friends. Peter was named the rock with all his faults, with all his shortcomings, and yet he was named the rock. Peter was the rock, but Jesus was the means. The gates of hell, the very ultimate for Satan, could not stand against Jesus. The strongholds of Satan cannot prevail. Jesus was tempted. Matthew 4, verse 11. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I give you rest. I will give you rest. Folks, and I ask this morning that we consciously put Jesus back in his place. So often in church life, we, we push Jesus to the side. Because there are things there that we don't want people to see. Folks, this morning I want us to come and I want us to put Jesus right back in the centre. I want us this morning to experience, as we've already tasted, something of the glory and the cloud. You see, when we read the scripture there, the cloud and the glory, when did it come? It came when Moses finished what he was doing. Now, verse 33 and it says, and Moses, raised up a call, and Moses, so Moses finished the work. In other words, he came to that place and he said, God, I've done everything that you want me to do. I can't do any more. It's up to you now. And the thing died. No. When God took over, things start to live. Stop trying to do God's work for him. Let God do his work through you and through me. I just want us to see in these days a, a holy desperation to see God move. I, I want us to, to get that hunger for revival. Hunger to see God move in this nation. Folks, I'm not interested in building churches. I've been in enough. I'm interested in seeing God move in this nation 
going to a lost eternity. Have we really got that hunger for revival? A hunger to see God move in a mighty way. You know, there's a story told of that <coughs> great man, Albert Schweitzer, was a doctor and missionary, but was also was a very accomplished musician. And there's a story told that on one of his rare occasions coming back to London, Schweitzer went into one of the big churches in London and found that the, the organ loft was open. So he made his way into the organ loft and he started to play. This great musician, this great talented man. And what happened? The organist of the church came in. Schweitzer had committed the unpardonable sin. And he went to Schweitzer and said, do you know that I'm the organist here? And Schweitzer moved over and let the organist come. The organist started to play. It was a pale shadow of what Schweitzer played. And so often, friends, we're sitting with God and we're saying, move over. This is my church. This is our church. We prevent God working because we're in the way. Once did a job for an old lady in our home. She wanted this cupboard building. And I was selected from many applicants because there was no money in it, so it didn't matter. And I remember going down one night and we made a start of this job. And uh, she finished the tea and then she brought a chair and she sat there right near where I was going to make the cupboard. So I went the, other, the next night and she brought the chair. So I packed up. And she said, you're not doing so much tonight. I said, Mrs. Atherton, move your chair into the back room and I'll build a cupboard. <laughs> I said, but I ain't building any cupboard for you sitting on a chair. She was interested. She was concerned. It was her cupboard. But she couldn't build it. And friends were like that with the church today. So many of us are sitting on the chair saying how it should be done when the man with the real skill is being pushed to one side. Friends, have we come to the end? We need, I believe, in these days a real hunger and a willingness because you know I'm excited because I believe God is ready to move when we come to the place where we finish but there was also you know a covering the scripture talks there about the clouds the cloud and the, the, the glory it heads it in my bible 
there's something about clouds that I find are, are insecure. I can remember on one occasion going up to Pendle Hill with our youngest daughter. And uh, she was quite, uh, you know, quite confident. We were on Pendle Hill and she was in complete control. But one of the characteristics of Pendle Hill is that sometimes you can just get a cloud that drops. And so this confident little girl was yards in front of me, enjoying it, but the cloud came. And what did I feel? A squeeze on my hand. She said, are we going to be all right, Dad? Are we going to be all right? Because the covering had come. The covering had come. Friends, it's not always necessary to be able to see where we're going. It's sometimes necessary, as it says in Corinthians, walk by faith and not by sight. We desire to see the end from the, the beginning. Some things in God are hidden. Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 10 and chapter verse 26. Don't fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Friends, we go through these experiences and so often it's not been like this before. It's something new. See, when we read of the children of Israel, the pillar was common to them. But now they got a covering. It was something new. And God is in the business of doing new things. God is in the business of changing things. You know, how many times have we heard people say, you know, well, well, I'm Pentecostal and we do it this way, you know. I went with a party some years ago on a building project in the Philippines. Working with the Philippines, we were putting the roof on this accommodation block. And the way they did it was just beyond belief. We went back two years later to put another building up. And when we were going, we said, we ain't putting the roof on that way. And we got all this stuff, we got everything together. And we were going to show the Filipinos how to put a roof on. After two days working on the, the roof, the guy who was leading the team said to me, Jim, we'd better back off. He said, because if we don't, we're going to be on that plane and they'll be roofless. 
because they would not change. They would not allow something to come in and change. It was much better what we were trying to offer them, but they didn't want it. You see, they wouldn't change. Friends, in 2 Corinthians, it says, I has not seen nor ear heard the heart of God, the things that God has prepared for those that love him. Friends, I want to say this morning that I am not interested in repeating the past. I've got some blessed memories throughout my Christian experience of seeing God move in different ways and in different circumstances and and come away mind-blown. Folks, I want to say this morning, I'm not interested in that anymore. It's great to look back and it encourages me, but you know what it tells me? That God can do even greater. Hallelujah! God, I believe in these days, is ready and willing to do a new thing. The people there, they hadn't seen that cloud before, not just like that. It was different. And friends, I believe that in these days, especially after we've had all this this pandemic, that things have got to change and we've got to be ready to say to God, come in and do your way. And it might be we'll finish up scratching our head and say, what's God doing? But if God's doing it, it's right, friends. All it's lovely to look back at the past, but I believe the future is so much greater I just long to see this nation being one for Jesus. I just long to see a Holy Ghost revival moving through this nation such as we've never known before. Never mind the Wesleys and the Whitfields. Let's see it in our day, in our generation. Because this is our God. Terry Virgo, the founder of the... The name's gone. But that, that an organization of churches. And he wrote a book there. And he entitled No, no Well Worn Path. Because some of the things that Terry Virgo did made a lot of the Christian leaders scratch their heads and rub their chins and say, Be careful. But Terry Virgo founded churches all over the country. And even in overseas, because he wasn't afraid of doing something that was different. Friends, our God is a God of amazement. He's a God of surprise. He's a God of newness. And the cloud came there, and it covered the tabernacle on the outside. But I believe, too, in this account, we see that there's a filling, there's this glory of the Lord. We're good to go back in Isaiah's, go, go back into Isaiah, we would read there in that great chapter 6. You know, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and it's tr- Oh, folks, <laughs> that, that scripture is so precious to me. Friends, the glory is still there. 
The glory is still waiting to be poured out. The vision that Isaiah has is there today for each one of us. If only we'll cry out to God and let God have his way. It's the glory of the Lord that we need in these days, not the schemes and the ideas. You see, when the glory comes, first of all, it convicts Christians. Folks, let's stop playing church and get real with God. So often we emphasize praise, and this is no criticism of our musicians at all, but we emphasize praise and we talk little about repentance. Folks, it's not the past that we're interested in. Ever since I had that bit of a heart tremor some years ago, I've been on repeat prescriptions. John's laughing there. I, I think it com becomes compulsory when you get 55. Because they never cure you. And I take these things religiously day by day, knowing nothing will not cure me. Friends, it's not a repeat prescription that we want in the things of God. It's something new, something dynamic. You see, like the prescriptions, if it had been any good, it would have been done away with years ago. But we come to that place and the scripture says, and Moses finished. Moses finished the work. Are we prepared, friends, you and I, as a body of believers here at Billings, are we prepared to take our hands off it and to let God come? Do we want the glory? The cloud, the cloud came and covered the tabernacle. It filled it. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Go into the New Testament and we read the story of the shepherds in the fields. What did they experience? The glory of the Lord. You see, when the glory comes, there's no room for anything else because it overwhelms. Have we lost our desire? Have we lost that, that, that desire to, to just know the glory of God coming down upon us? There's a guy now who's gone to glory, but I knew him in the, the days when the charismatic move was on and he, he, he coined this phrase, and I've never forgotten it. Somebody reminded me of it the other week. And the brother used to say, Brother, keep under the spout where the glory comes out. 
Keep under the spout where the glory comes out. Folks, that's where we need to be. That's where we want to be, isn't it? In that place where the glory comes out. So we're experiencing the glory and the presence of God. You know, we can carry on for years and never experience what God has for us. We can go to heaven and still not have experienced what God has prepared for us down here because we've got to be open. We can carry on for years and never experience it. No. Margaret's stepdad at Crawford, he was a, a Crawforder of Crawforders. He'd almost a, a culture of his own. And it used, to, it used to drive the girls mad because we'd go to his birthday and we'd give him a present. And he'd say, thank you. And then he'd sit in the chair. And he'd put it back. Before we came away, the girls would have to go to him and say, Granddad, are you going to open your present? You see, because there was no expectancy there. And so often this is where we are with God. It's there for us, friends. But we're not taking all of it. Oh, that the glory might come. The shepherds at Bethlehem, they experienced some of the glory of the Lord. Luke's gospel. Friends, I want to say that God hasn't finished with us yet. He's not even started. Exodus 33, verse 18, cries out, show me your glory. David Hathaway, who's been preaching about revival for most of his life. All my life, more than anything else, is this one verse where God says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. goes on in that same account says this you see I'm living experimentally with God and I want to see that explosion of God's power absolutely incredible something you can't even imagine and when that power is released no man can stop it that's it folks that's why we're on the victory side that's what I'm waiting for I hope I'm not going to wait until I get to heaven to experience it. Friends, God has got so much more for us. Let's put the things in order. The shepherds at Bethlehem. He's not finished yet. He hasn't started. You can read in the page of history, the experiences of God moving 
can you go back this morning in your own experience to that time when you experienced something of the filling of the Holy Ghost? Some of us can go back to the charismatic days of the charismatic move when God was moving, great things were happening. Others can think about Toronto, all oh, that naughty word. Friends, I have a lot to thank Toronto for. Not for the ups and the downs and the E's and the I's, but the things that God did within me. Forget the little bits and take the things that really matter. I can read in the pages of history what God can does and will do if we let him. Friends, this morning, can we come with our hearts to that place and experience something of the cloud of glory touching us and filling us and changing us. Friends, we serve a mighty God. We serve a God that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess and back to the Abbey Horse we're on the victory side. Friends, would I believe that God, even today, would speak to us here at Billinge. And you know, today, this place can be the start of a mighty Holy Ghost revival that could hit this nation because that's our God. There's only one problem. That's you and me. Are we ready to say to God, Show us your glory, Lord. Let your glory come. I'm going to hand over to Stephen, but I do feel that I should just say that I believe there's an opportunity here for us to respond, to come this morning and say, Lord, I want a touch of your glory. Those that ask will receive.